0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Noblesville First. We're so excited you're joining us, whether here in person or online. We want to go ahead and start with just a few announcements of everything that's happening here shortly in Noblesville First. We have a lot going on this week. So this coming Friday is our first Friday luncheon with our program and meal. We invite you to join us. I believe the deadline to sign up is tomorrow. So if you can make it, please make sure you either call the church office or go to our website and let us know that you'd like to join us for that. Also on Friday is our first outing for the Teeter Adventure Club, which is for elementary school students out at Teeter Farm, 5 to 7 on Friday. This is an incredible opportunity. It's a brand new thing for us that we're super excited about, and we hope you and your children will join us. You can find more information about that either on our website or at teeterorganicfarm.com. Also, with happening at Teeter, the plant sale is this next weekend, Mother's Day weekend as it always is. We do have yard signs out in the in the lobby there, if you'd like to grab one, take it home with you, put, post it in your yard so people know. This is a huge plant sale. It's going to be fantastic. I know I've been buying vegetable starters and herb starters at this plant sale as long as it's existed. I'll give you a word of warning. Their tomatillos are fantastic, and you'll never get rid of them if you plant one. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. If you want tomatillos forever, buy some because they're great for salsa verde. Um, And finally, Noblesville First Moms Group has been kicked off, and we're excited to keep that going. Wednesdays at 9.15. So if you do have an under-preschool-aged child, you can bring them along with you if you'd like, and they've got some programming for that as well, and we'd love to have you come and connect with some of the other moms here at Noblesville First. As always, if you're new with us, either online or here in person, you can join us at the Noblesville Next Steps at noblesworthfirst.com, let us know that you want to get connected with us, or you can see our hospitality coordinator, Pam Kaplinger. She'd love to talk to you and help you get connected, or you can come talk to me. I'm Pastor Matt. And with that, we invite you to stand and join us as we kick it off with some worship. This- us online, we we welcome you as well, hello, give us a hello in the chat, let us know you're here.
1: Main dish is supplied by an organization called Second Helpings, and they glean food from restaurants, grocery stores, and then they bring us the main dish every week, along with some bread, desserts, and then we fill in salads and vegetables and anything else we think of. We also get fresh eggs from Teeter Farm every week. We get uh, Dale bread from Panera. We also get Chick-fil-A uh, breakfast nuggets. Uh, so we have almost a mini food pantry here. Uh, most months we collect the food from our shelves outside Celebration Hall and the Sanctuary. And about once a month we pass those out to our people.
2: I like the camaraderie and stuff here, because I have a good time just seeing the people here.
1: I've been, I enjoy the food. We never, it's a surprise what we're going to get to eat. And but, having friends and meeting new people and the group we sit with, we get to see once a week. And it's been very nice. I've been coming uh, here a little over a year and I like the friendship of everybody. (laughs) <laughs> what I enjoy is Teeter's Farm. Because in the summer and the fall, they have such wonderful fruit. Their vegetables are oh, fresh, and I enjoy the eggs too. My goodness, fresh eggs. Good for you.
0: to hear now this scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell and was completely destroyed. May God grant his blessing and his understanding on the reading of Scripture today. Well, good morning again. Welcome to Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm really glad you're joining us for worship this morning. As many of you heard, Pastor Jill is on a one-month sabbatical for the month of May, so you're going to be stuck with me quite a bit more. (laughs) We'll have some other guest preachers as well, but we're definitely thankful that the the church has the, the means and ability to give our pastors rest when they need it. And this morning... For probably the vast majority of American Christians anyway, I'm going to become one of the more undesirable pastors because I'm going to talk to you about money. (laughs) Last week, a letter went out to all the church uh, with pledge cards for the rest of the year. And the hope is that you'll talk with those in your household and about giving and that you feel led towards and let us know so we can plan for ministry in the year yet to come. And if you go and listen to Pastor Jerry's sermon from the traditional services this morning, you'll hear him give a number of statistics about church giving and how Christians across the country could fix a number of world problems like world hunger and illiteracy and things like that if we would all tithe, which is an ancient word that means tenth, suggesting that we give 10% of our income. And in a non-typical fashion, perhaps, I'm going to go against him and suggest that you do not do that. In fact, I'm going to go against myself, um, or at least who I was and what I believed a number of years ago, because back then I was an absolute advocate, excuse me, for tithing. Set it and forget it. Act like that money doesn't exist and it's not yours because it isn't. It belongs to God. As far as you should be concerned, you only make 90% of what you earn. So what changed, Pastor Matt? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. (laughs) But first, with a statement like that, I want to be careful and clear of my meaning. So first, let's take a look at tithing. In a number of different places throughout the Old Testament, the Bible tells the Jews therein to give a tenth of what they produce to the temple. Typically, it would be what they grew or raised. This was typically not actually a money tithe, but of, if you were a farmer, you gave a 10th of your crop. If you raised livestock, you'd give a 10th of the meat. The tithe also went to providing for widows and orphans and other destitute in the community, those that could not provide for themselves, as well as pay the way and allow the priests to eat because all they did was that. They didn't earn a living otherwise, so that's one of the ways they earned their food. Um, But for the Jews, this tithe was not an offering. It wasn't what you might drop into a basket here during a, a temple service or things like that. It was essentially taxes. Because between the tithe to the temple and other provisions in the law, for example, if you were a farmer, there was a provision in Jewish law that said you had to leave the corners of your fields unharvested. You were not allowed to collect that because it was there for people who could not provide for themselves to glean and be able to eat. That was the, one of the ways that they provided for their community. Um, and so the Jews were obligated to give this amount to the temple, which essentially was their government. It's, it's a little confusing because in the, for Jewish people, especially in the Old Testament, the re- religion and the government were the same thing. The people who led their temple and led the high priest was essentially the president, right? It was That was how their society was set up. So the tithe, then, for Jews is different than what those coming to a church here in 2022 are ultimately being asked about. Now, I say different. If you want to pay taxes to the church, I suppose that's your business. <laughs> but generally speaking, that's not what we're talking about. So so what about then us? Is it relevant? Is this idea of a 10th still relevant for us today? And I would say yes and no. Because what was relevant then and is still relevant today is the idea of stewardship. And it's a word that we throw around a lot in the church. You'll always hear us whenever we do ask for pledge cards and things like that. It's always around a stewardship campaign. And so it can start to feel like, To the church, stewardship means give us money. But that's not what stewardship is. In fact, the Holman Bible Dictionary defines stewardship like this. It says, stewardship is utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Using all resources that God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Jesus tells a number of different parables about people who are given or have resources. And the point of the story is what they do with those resources. Whether it be a landowner who builds extra barns for his abundant crops, or the servant who buries the money his master gives him, afraid he'll lose it before he comes back. Jesus is concerned with how we manage our resources and how we use them to be stewards of God's creation. And yes, this is absolutely talking about more than money. And we'll definitely spend a part of our time this morning talking about all these other things. But it's important to remember that apart from love itself, Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. Because we need to hear it because money is a God unto itself that we can be easily pulled into worshiping. So when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks how to enter life, Jesus tells him to keep the commandments. And when he says, I have, he says, okay, only one more thing, sell all you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And the man walks away sad. When Jesus asks to eat with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus hears the crowd grumbling that Jesus would dare to eat with a sinner, he offers half of what he owns to the poor and offers to pay back more than he owes. And Jesus says salvation has come to this house. Stewardship of resources involves money because everything involves money. It's just the nature of things in the society we live in. But stewardship is about so much more than just that. Because stewardship isn't just part of the Christian life. Stewardship is is the Christian life. Working with what God has given you for the betterment of creation is it. That's everything. Whether it be the love and grace and forgiveness you've received and how you spread that into the world or being mindful of what you have been given and how you can use it to make the world around you look more like God's kingdom, the entirety of what we are supposed to be doing as Christians is stewardship. It is building up the world to be the kingdom of God, spreading the love and grace of Jesus Christ so that the community of kingdom workers is ever growing because that is good news. And this is why I say, don't tithe. Maybe better said, don't just tithe. Don't grab an arbitrary percentage and say, okay, I did it. I'm out. I've done what I need to do to make God happy. Find what it is that God places on your heart to steward here in your time on earth to manage and improve and grow and do that. Use your time and your resources and yourself to grow that. And I would say that the church is simply a conduit into those things. We certainly hope here at Noblesville First that we've created the space to offer a lot of ways to get involved with expanding the kingdom of God in this community. And I would say that we are making an impact. Noblesville First is impacting the community. I was actually just talking to someone the other day about Teeter about Farm and I had to go look it up to make sure I was right. And it's true that Noblesville First through Teeter Farm provided over 20,000 servings of food to people who are food insecure in Hamilton County last year alone. Because their mission is to end food insecurity in Hamilton County. That is making an impact on this community and people know who we are because of it. After a sermon I preached a couple weeks ago, I had a I had a really good uh, discussion with someone who disagreed with me about what I preached. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I love those discussions, I do. I want you to disagree with me, I want to talk to you about it. Please, approach me with those things. But someone asked me if in the midst of the strife that's going on in the greater Methodist church, which if you're not aware of what is going on, we're actually going to talk about that in two weeks. But for now, just know there is strife that may be leading towards a split and a split over the lack of inclusivity of the traditional crowd. And they asked if in the midst of all that, if we shouldn't be encouraging people to withhold their giving until the church figures it out. Don't, don't give anymore until they fix it, at which point then we, can, then we can say, okay, it's fine to give again. Or they said, look at the greater big C church. Look at all the things going on at the scandals in the Catholic Church or the Southern Baptist Church or anything else that's happening. How can you, as a pastor, tell people to support that? And you know, I thought about that for a while. I did. And I came to the conclusion that if you're only ever going to support, help, lift up, grow, or volunteer with organizations that are perfect, then a lot of good is going to go undone in the world. A lot. Because there would be pretty much no organizations left at that point. Now, quick aside, we are incredibly blessed in the United Methodist Church that one of those organizations that I believe would be left with practically no scandal and almost perfect giving is UMCOR. UMCOR is an incredible organization where like 100% of your money goes directly to disaster relief. It's incredible. So that's my little aside. I can tell you more about UMCOR if you want. Now, I will say you should, you should take the time to ensure that where you are spending your time and your energy and your resources is a cause or a ministry or an an organization worth putting those assets into. You should do that. But we should also not fall into the seeming current craze of pulling all support or canceling something simply because it's not perfect. Or at some point in the past, there was something wrong or there's something wrong right now because stewardship is about caring for God's creation, none of which is perfect, including ourselves. We are also not perfect in that. So do I want you to support Noblesville first? Yes, of course I do. And I can say that with a special kind of distance because as many of you know, in five weeks, I will not be a part of Noblesville's church staff anymore. This is not, I want you to support this church because it supports me. This is because I understand the ministry and the purpose that Noblesville First serves, and I believe in it, which is why I've been a part of this church for over 20 years. I've seen the mission grow and change and evolve, and it has one of the best mission statements that I've ever heard. Now, this is not one that we publicize, but it is the way that we talk about it with the staff that we want Noblesville First to be a church such that if for whatever reason it ever came a time that everyone left on Sunday morning and nobody wanted to give to the church as a part of worship anymore and the church had to close its doors that the community would raise up and keep us open because of the impact that it has. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of that says the community impact is just as important if not more important been getting together on a Sunday morning. Because worship is not confined to singing a hymn and saying a prayer. Worship includes doing the kingdom work of God in the world. So, yes, I want you to support noblesville first. I want you to find a place that you feel like you fit and jump in. But do I want that to be a formula-based where you can calculate out what two or five or 10% of your time and resources are so that you can be sure that God finds your help acceptable? No, of course I don't. Because godly stewardship is about all God has given and all God's creation. I wanna ask you something. When you think about the quote, best Christian of the past hundred years, who's the first person that comes to mind? Call it out. Mother Teresa. That's actually the answer I'm looking for, so thank you, sir. (laughs) Mother Teresa. Why? Why is that the first person that came came to your mind? She's a giver. Yeah. Mother Teresa is known for the work that she did among the dying and the destitute in Calcutta. A difficult and consistently thankless job. She worked how she could. For the betterment of creation. She was a good steward of what was given her. But I recently learned that a number of letters, really kind of like a diary that Mother Teresa wrote, came out a little over a decade ago. And in some of those letters, she outlined how she had lost her faith in God. Seeing the evil in the world that she saw, seeing starving children perish with no help. She questioned how God could possibly even exist. In one of the letters, she says this. She says, my God, I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd my heart, afraid to uncover them because of the blasphemy. If there be God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. And I'm told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great, nothing touches my soul. It's such a heart-wrenching thing to hear that who we, many of us, look up to as the person that embodied God, questioned if God was even real. And do you know what she did during the time that she was writing these letters? She helped the dying and the destitute in Calcutta. Her crisis of faith did not stop her from being a steward to God's creation because she found what was the best way to live and it became her entire life. She is a living embodiment of the question that has gone around Christian circles as long as I've been in them. The question of, if you found out today that heaven wasn't real and you weren't going somewhere when you died, would you still follow Christ? If it wasn't about the reward that you're going to get someday, would you still follow? And I hope, I hope your answer to this question is yes. I hope that what you found in Jesus isn't just a promise of something to come, but of now, current transformation through grace and love. I hope that when you learn and read of Jesus Christ, that you see the life he lived and the impact on the world that it had, and you are driven to do the same. You know, I've often looked at Mother Teresa as proof of, that we don't need to get out of our comfort zones to serve God. How many of you have heard, have you heard that before? If you want to really serve God, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. you got to break out of where, where you want to be. But we don't need to do that. And Mother Teresa proved that, that we don't need to get out of our comfort zones to serve God. We need to change where we are comfortable. Because Mother Teresa was home in Calcutta. It wasn't uncomfortable for her to serve those people because it is who she was. She was where God intended her to be. And so she didn't need to get out of a comfort zone. She was home doing exactly what she needed to be doing. Even in a faith crisis, she was home. Mother Teresa learned of the ways of Christ and saw Correctly, in my opinion, that even within a crisis of faith in the God that showed her kingdom living, it is still the best way to live in the world. Being a steward of what God has entrusted us is the best way to live, which again is why stewardship is not just part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. I hope you see why I don't encourage us to aim for some arbitrary percentage, but instead be ever-growing in our part of the stewardship of God's creation. A number of years ago, Penn Gillette of magic duo Penn & Teller released a short video with a story of something he experienced after a show. Penn is an outspoken atheist, and he had this encounter. I invite you to watch.
2: I and mean, then he said, "I brought this for you." And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. I and mean, then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes and he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy.
0: Similarly to Mr. Gillette, I sometimes find it difficult to respect Christians who know Jesus, They know the example that Jesus set. And though they have the ability to, they don't work to live to follow that example. Now, I'm not talking about people who are struggling to find their way or in a rut. That happens. I understand that. I'm talking about the people with the means and the ability to truly work toward the kingdom of God, and they choose to build bigger barns instead those who hear the call of Christ to give to the poor and walk away sad instead. People who argue that Jesus didn't really mean it, that we should help the poor, beyond maybe expecting them to get minimum wage jobs and do some bootstrap pulling. I have trouble with people like that. Because any amount of reading about Jesus seems to point us towards the stewardship of our communities, both, as Penn said, in proselytizing and telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, but as well as taking care of our communities, working toward the help of the least of these and growing the kingdom of God. So stewardship is not a one-time thing. It's not something you set and forget. It's not something that is meant to just take up your Sunday morning or maybe your Tuesday evening. It's a mindset of caring for the creation that was entrusted to us. And so I do, I do invite you, if you are a part of Noblesville First, if you believe in our ministries, I invite you to fill out a pledge card and invest in the ministries here at Noblesville First. But I would offer you this challenge. Pick a number that you can give and then pledge to yourself that you'll raise it next year. You can use percentages if you want, if that's easy. Pledge to give 3% this year, but you're going to give 3.5 next year. Maybe you're already giving 10%. Amazing. How about 11? Or 10 to here and one to another organization that's doing good in the world. No money? All the money? No problem. We have ways to use you beyond that too. Volunteering at Teeter, so instead of 20,000 servings, this year we can do 30,000 servings and make sure that our community is fed. Help at dinners on us that you saw the stewardship moment about, to help those who are less fortunate or who are just looking for someone to sit and share a meal with. Take the first step, but then take the next one and the next one. Because stewardship is not just part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Amen.
3: I join with you this morning for a time of prayer as we consider what we've heard from Pastor Matt. And perhaps as we wish to lighten some burdens that we bear in our hearts, or maybe there's someone in In our lives, lives, someone someone in your life, for whom you would like to pray. We'll begin with silent prayer as we give these matters to God. And then I will offer up a prayer followed by the Lord's prayer that we can pray as the community of Christ. So let us now take time to open to God what is in our hearts for him at this time. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, through your inspiration, Pastor Matt has blessed us with your word, your word about God's kingdom and being good stewards for the kingdom. Lord, we make so many decisions in our lives that Decisions that center around ourselves and our own needs. Help us to remember to thank you when by your grace our own needs and those of our families are met. And to remember also to share out of the abundance that you have shared with us in a world where there are so many who do not have enough. Let us ask ourselves the serious question what should I do with my resources? There's nothing wrong with having resources. Our founder, John Wesley, wrote, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Lord, we are reminded of taking flights on airlines when the flight attendants will tell us On every flight, if the masks drop down, put yours on first so that you will be able to help those around you. God, when we think in terms of our individual decisions to keep more than we need, or when we ourselves fail to share our blessings, Poor stewardship can consume us as a culture, as a community, and even as a church. There is a United Methodist bishop, Bishop Kenneth Carter, who leads the Florida and Western North Carolina conferences of the United Methodist Church, and he reminds us of all that God has taught us as a church. Many of the next words I'm about to speak are his words, words he has shared with the world about the stewardship of the United Methodist Church. Bishop Carter reminds us of the doctrine of grace, which is not about our merit, and that we are on a journey to share this grace with an ever-wider circle of people. We are also on a journey to holiness, traveling toward being made perfect in love. Bishop Carter reminds us that we love God because God first loved us. And we love our neighbor because we see the image of God in our neighbor. Let us each and all learn from our church as we use our United Methodist connection for mission as we are doing right now in Ukraine through UMCOR that Pastor Matt talked about, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, to which Methodists and people right here in Noblesville first have given substantial help to those people of Ukraine. And as Methodists did a few months ago following the tornadoes in western Kentucky, and a few months before that, Helping those who lost their belongings in floods, and a few years ago after a hurricane in Florida, and the leadership of our church, which has become multifaceted and filled with new life as we have worked through the power of inclusion with talented women in ministry and cross racial appointments. While we have also become a global church. And even as we are now struggling with our language about same sex relationships, we can know this current struggle for what it is the unfinished work of God in us. So, yes, we are an imperfect people, we are an imperfect church. Let us be reminded that the symbol of the United Methodist Church is a cross and a flame. The cross, a reminder of our need for redemption. The flame, a reminder of our hardened hearts in need of the warm fire of the Holy Spirit. Whose first fruit is love. Even though we are an imperfect people, all have sinned. We are better together. In the name of our Savior Jesus Christ we lift up this prayer as we now also pray together the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day
0: We believe in that open table, that you don't need to be a member of this church or any church. You don't need to have it all figured out. You don't need to be clean. The only thing that we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God.